my day to day went beyond just what was my job description. Anytime a fire drill um, or a new opportunity came up, you know, I was open to you know taking on more work. And you know, the partners over time, you know, they started pushing more and more onto my plate. Hi, this is Alexandria from Sacramento, California. You're listening to You're a Financial Planner, Now What? The podcast that helps you fast track your career by bringing you meaningful conversations on topics that influence new financial planners, their careers, and the lives of their clients. Every new planner wants to move up quickly through the ranks, but it can be hard to do so when they don't get the attention or experience they need. Matt Gransky, CFA, is an example of what's possible, though, rising from analyst to president at Miracle Mile Advisors before his 28th birthday. Up next, Matt tells Hennemore, CFP, how he got noticed and how his approach to his career helped him solve problems for his clients and team. Find out what it took for Matt to grow his firm to a multi-billion dollar business by focusing on premium client service, innovative systems, and empowering next-gen talent. But first, this episode is powered by Prudential. Prudential's new advisory solutions are built from the ground up to help clients with the financial challenges of living longer and market uncertainty. Their advisor-only annuities are unique, flexible, allow for customization, and rely on your continued guidance and expertise. Now Prudential, with over 145 years of expertise in risk management, can help protect the retirement income plans you've created. You manage the wealth, they protect it so it can last. Visit them at PRURIA.com. Annuities are issued by the Prudential Insurance Company of America, Newark, New Jersey, and its affiliates. Thanks for joining us today, Matt. Thanks for having me. So I am really excited to have you on because you just turned 28 and you are the president of the LA-based RIA uh, Miracle Mile Advisors. Um, so super interested to become to know how you become the president of a company at such a young age. But before we kind of dive into that, what I'm curious about is as the president, what does the day-to-day role look like for you? Like what does your day-to-day look like? I think one of the things I really love about my job is that every day today is different. Uh, my job encompasses, you know, organizing our departments um, and the projects that they're working with and coordinating with our advisor teams um, on the different projects that they're working on with their clients to make sure that we're delivering, you know, the utmost value and client service to our clientele. So it really, um, on a day-to-day basis, you know, involves a lot of communication with different team members, um, a lot of internal meetings, a lot of external meetings. Uh, but it's really great to have your hand in a lot of different cookie jars to really be, you know, shaping the future of where the firm is heading. Well, okay. First of all, help give a context. How big is Miracle Mile? Sure. So we have 35 employees at Miracle Mile. About 16 of those are advisors um, with about uh, the rest being support staff. So you are the president of this company, and, and so you're you're not really doing the planning work at this point. You're just really kind of overseeing like the business of of Miracle Mile. Correct. Um, so I have you know monthly meetings with our advisors and our planners, and get to see you know the day to day you know projects that they're working on for their clients. But I do not directly inter- interact with uh, clients on a day to day basis. You're really the president of, you know, not just a solo or, you know, one or two person, I mean, but 35 employees. I'm curious, how did you become the president of your firm? Was this something that you knew you wanted to do from the beginning? No, uh, I would say definitely not. (laughs) Uh, When I started at Miracle Mile, we had um, about 300 million under management and there was about six employees. And I started off as an analyst at the firm and there was definitely no uh, point 
at that time where I was like, I can see myself being the president of this firm one day. Um, but I definitely live by the saying that you meet the universe halfway. And what that means to me is that if you put, you know, your time and your energy and your soul into a project or your job, um, and you kind of put your head down and do the work and solve the problems at hand that eventually, you know, the universe will kind of meet you halfway and things will fall into place as they should. And I think that kind of sums up, um, my ascent here at Miracle Mile. I, you know, as an analyst was working on, you know, really, you know, the day-to-day problems that our clients had and trying to solve those problems. And then, um, you know, that kind of evolved into the partners at the firm, realizing that they had a lot of problems running the firm and that I could be useful uh, just with the direction and the mentorship of our other employees. And so over time, they gave me, you know, more and more reins to take the lead on bigger and bigger projects until one day they kind of realized that I was running the firm, but didn't have the respective title for that. So they put that title in place. So it was definitely not something that I shot for initially, but it was something that I just came in to work every day and had, you know, the the problems of the day at hand and put my head down and solve them. And over time, those problems got bigger. And eventually, you know, it led to the role that I'm in now. I'm fascinated by this because you're, I'm going to assume, I mean, you six, seven years into your career? Correct. Yep. Yeah. I started at Miracle Mile in 2014. Was, I mean, it's probably a bit of all of these. I was like, was it just the, really the opportunity was there at Miracle Mall that you were able to step into or what, um, what about your work? I know you're saying like, I just put my head down into the work, but I, I think there's maybe more to it of what really made you stand out to, to, uh, to the partners. So I'm curious, what was that more to it? Sure. I think it's, uh, it, a lot of it came down to being able to work with a lot of different personalities. Uh, as I'm sure you're aware, you know, our industry attracts very strong headed personalities for a lot of, uh, advisors, um, as well as a lot of, you know, soft spoken, um, more numbers based, uh, type of people. And I think I was able to, um, listen to, you know, all different sides and, you know, hear, um, you know, different people's problems, especially the advisors that are firmed. And I was able to, you know, help them tackle their problems, um, and to help them reach a higher level of, uh, you know, service to their clients or, um, you know, being able to roll out a new, you know, solution or a new product. Um, and so, you know, this over time has, I think, garnered a lot of respect amongst my peers in terms of knowing that, you know, I'm not, they don't look at me, I don't think, as a boss, but more someone who's, you know, more than eager to help them jump in and solve a problem with them. Yeah, I guess you've kind of touched on this a little bit, but how would you describe like your style, like in managing people or in like the work that you're doing there at Miracle Mile? Sure. Um, I'm definitely uh, an introvert by nature. And so it definitely took me many years to kind of come out my shell a little bit and to take more of a a leadership role. Um, But I think that, you know, being innately more of a listener, it has helped me kind of sit in a room and gather all the facts before shouting out my opinion. Um, And in terms of, um, you know, leadership, I think that that's important because you're not telling people what to do. You're more listening to them and then helping them maybe path the way forward. Um, Even if they don't realize that in the end of the day, you're, you have your own 
kind of end goal or, or motivation in mind. So you started out as an analyst, and I know that you 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 didn't just go from analyst to president. Did you did you find like that you were doing a lot of different roles in the company, or was it just from analyst to president? No, I mean, I think one of the unique or the, the situation that was unique um, at Miracle Mile is really um, allowed me to grow as fast as um, I did is because at the same term, at the same time, the, the firm was growing. So, you know, over the course of the last seven years, we've added, um, you know, over 20 employees and we've added, you know, over $1.5 billion in assets. And so that growth has created opportunities. Uh, when I started, I was an analyst, and at the time, the analyst role was basically all-encompassing. So, you know, doing everything from you know financial plans to putting together recommended portfolios to clients to you know helping around the office and ordering office supplies or answering the phones. Um, <laughs> at that time, you know, we only had six employees, and so everyone was kind of uh, all hands on deck. Um, and over time, as we've grown and you know created departments and had different department heads and different organizational you know, structures, um, you know I've been able to play a lot of different roles in that growth. So I started out as an analyst, as you said, and then I gravitated more towards the investment management side of the business. Uh, so I got my CFA and was really focused on helping our investment team um, create portfolios and. Uh, you know, really, you know, take the financial plans that we put together for our clients and then construct a portfolio that would meet their goals. Um, and then from there, I moved into more of a strategy role for the firm. Uh, so we were growing so fast that, you know, we needed to be, um, you know, bringing in new team members and bringing new advisors on board and helping them get used to the platform, uh, upgrading our technology stack, uh, interacting with custodians. So all of these um, different kind of areas of just running the business uh, were not being intended to. So I kind of stepped in and helped lead those different initiatives. Um, and then over time that expanded to, you know, managing, um, you know, the employees and helping them, like I said, solve their problems, but also, um, you know, making sure that our budget and P&L and everything that goes on, you know, behind the scenes uh, is, is organized and, uh, we're moving the ball forward. People hear what you you went through and they're like, oh my gosh, it's like a dream scenario where you're able to really, you know, have a career path or you're really working in an environment that allows professionals to grow and succeed. So I'm curious, how can a new planner identify a company that fosters that environment that's going to allow people like you to to move through the ranks really quickly? You know, my two partners uh, who started the firm, they did a really great job of uh, defining a culture at the beginning that was set up for younger professionals to have a chance to succeed. And I think that some of the things they did uh, were very intentional, such as creating a flat organizational structure um, and other you know, smaller things, which I think are really important, um, or something like titles. Um, so... One uh, example of that is for our younger, you know, financial planners and advisors. We don't, you know, refer to them as, you know, associates um, or assistants. When they uh, enter a meeting with a client, um, and we use a team-based approach, so they're usually with uh, an older financial professionals. The two in the meeting will refer to each other to the client as partners. 
Um, and I think that not only, you know, is important for the client to hear that, you know, these two team members of very different ages are partners together, but also creates, uh, you know, confidence boost um, and kind of creates that morale that we're in this together. Uh, and there's no seniority or hierarchy. Everyone has a role to play, um, but, you know, we're partners and, you know, we're equals. And so even just that terminology has an impact on it. Yes, it's, it's the little things, because um, I, I think especially for the more millennial generation, um, we want to, you know, we want to be heard and we want to be taken seriously. Uh, and especially, the, you know, the financial planning and, you know, financial um, advisory world, it can be sometimes a little stale <laughs> at the top. And so I would, look, uh, you know, advise younger professionals to look for a firm that, um, has a little bit more uh, of an edge. Um, we're trying to do things a little bit differently because I think that the way that firms have been run for the last you know 20 years is definitely going to be different than how firms are going to be run you know 20 years from now. Tell me more about that. What what do you see? You know, you talk about how firms are going to be run 20 years from now. Um, tell me more about what what that looks like and how it's different from even today versus how it has been. I mean, we're seeing a massive um, shift in. Uh, where um, and who is controlling wealth um, in this country and in the world. And, you know, that shift is, you know, going from older white males to, you know, more diverse, um, younger generations. Uh, and then a lot of that wealth is transferring to females. Um, and I think, you know, specifically we have found that, you know, the female advisors that we have been able to recruit and bring on staff are among our most, you know, talented uh, employees, um, because I think that they bring not only are they able to, um, you know, be aligned with these types of clients, uh, but they also tend to be more compassionate and more um, emotionally smart than, you know, than male counterparts. And so I think in the future, you're going to see a lot more, you know, female advisors in the industry. And, you know, we want to be at the forefront of that trend. So do you see like the structure of a lot of these firms changing? I mean, obviously you're, you guys, because you've grown so quickly, you guys have been able to create kind of the structure for today, but how do you see structures of firms um, evolving? In terms of equity participation, I think that it's going to be really important um, over the coming years, especially firms that are growing to uh, include um, a lot of their staff members in that growth. Uh, via, you know, equity incentives. Um, because, you know, what we found at Miracle Mile is that, you know, everyone, like I said before, we work as a team. So everyone is putting in, you know, that extra effort. Um, and so when only the top, um, you know, individuals are rewarded for that, it doesn't really create long-term incentives and long-term alignment. Your firm has grown significantly. Uh, so tell me, going from $300 million to did it grow to 1.2 billion or was it an additional 1.2 billion in new assets? Yeah. So right now we manage about 2.2 billion in assets. So how does a firm grow that quickly? Like what, what, what really helps spur that growth? Um, A lot of mistakes. (laughs) (laughs) It's definitely not been easy. We've made a ton of mistakes um, and I will be the first one to admit it. Um, But I think that you have to, want to grow and you have to, you know, try different things and some things are going to stick and some things are not. Um, but a lot of it, the growth has been to the fact that, um, a lot of our 
early employees um, were younger and they've really grown into their roles here. And, you know, now that, you know, now when they started, they were advising clients with the average net worth, maybe of, you know, two to five million. And now they're managing client net worth with, uh, you know, an average asset base of, you know, 20 to 30 million. Um, and that growth has come because our advisors are getting better uh, each year um, at what they do and at the advice and the service level that they're providing. So that growth has been uh, organic. And then also we created a really you know unique culture early on um, where it was, you know, it felt like every day you went to work, you were excited to be there um, and you knew you had the support um, of the employees around you. And I think that attracted a lot of other advisors and firms um, out there who, you know, kind of were watching us like, wow, I want to be part of that. Um, so we've been fortunate to be able to, you know, now really start recruiting and bringing on um, other RAs and, um, you know, younger professionals into the firm, and, you know, continuing to, to grow the client and asset base. What I love about even just hearing what you're saying is you're really tying a lot of the growth to hiring really good people. Oh my gosh. Uh, it's imperative. Um, cause growth like that doesn't come from one individual. Uh, it comes from, you know, a, a team. Um, and I keep going back to this team-based approach because that's truly what this is at Miracle Mile. Um, you know, we're, you know, on just from the communication, it's, it's just very, um, you know, I have a problem. Can you help me? And it's never, you know, I'm too busy or, you know, let me get back to you. It's, you know, let, let's jump in and, and, uh, you know, tackle this together. So it's infectious in some ways. As a president, did you, are you part owner of the firm as well? Or are you just in that president role? Not just, but are you, <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I, I am an owner of the firm as well. And so is there a path to ownership for, you know, anybody coming in to the firm or how does that work? You know, this is definitely one of the areas that we, uh, I think, may have made mistakes in the past in terms of not opening up the ownership uh, structure as much as we should. Um, and so it's not something that we promise to employees at the outset because we're definitely believers of, you know, prove yourself um, and you will be rewarded. Uh, but it's definitely something, you know, that we, um, you know, uh, offer and, you know, reward to employees, you know, who have been here and who have, you know, put in the time and who are part of our culture and who we want to be part of the culture on a go forward basis. Do you have to be like a, do you have to be bringing in clients in order to get ownership or kind of what are those metrics that you look at? Like what would make somebody a great candidate in order to be open to, to, you know, becoming an owner? Sure. I mean, I think that there, there's, Definitely two pathways. You don't need to be an advisor or someone who's bringing clients. Um, obviously, that you know has typically been the standard way um, or standard path to ownership in this industry, and it's definitely something that we honor as well here at Miracle Mile. Um, but we also recognize that the back office staff too, uh, you know, they are also growing their workload as we bring in new clients, and they are uh, imperative to keeping stability and keeping the structure. Uh, in place as we grow, because um, a lot of firms, you know, you can grow very fast, but not have the back office in place to um, to support that growth, and you know things can falter. Uh, so you know, we definitely try to reward um, our employees who have you know been here a long time and who are open to growing and who have helped us grow. 
It's just so crazy. I'm like a long time, like you're, you're, you just turned 28. Like, it's so fun to, to right. see, to see that and, and realize that like, there really are, there really is an opportunity for people to come in and, and a long time can be, is it's relative. Yeah. And, and I think that, um, some of the employees who started, you know, before around the same time as me, they really are, you know, role models um, and help us attract, uh, you know, next generation talent because they have succeeded um, and at a very young age. And that's, you know, I think very attractive in the marketplace when you see your peers in a role that you're like, wait, I want to, I want to, you know, be there. Um, and we're like, you can be here, come join. And, you know, it, it's not like there's no work involved. Um, it's not like it's granted to you, but it's definitely, you know, a possibility is there for the taking. I'm just so curious, even on the training side of it, of if you hired somebody straight out of college, you know, how do you set them up for, for that success and to really accelerate their career within your firm? We have, um, I think really good mentors here uh, in terms of the uh, partners um, and the older generation on staff. Um, they understand um, that, you know, it takes a lot of time and energy to cultivate talent, especially younger talent, and they are willing and open to do that. Um, and so I think it kind of starts at the top. But in addition to that, um, you know, we create kind of very close bonds uh, with each other when we bring in, you know, a new hire. Um, and we're very open in terms of how, you know, what's worked in the past, what hasn't worked, um, what are we trying right now? What's a new, you know, LinkedIn campaign that we're doing, you know, well, you know, and so it's, it's sharing those, um, you know, kind of ups and downs and taking people under the wings. Whereas I think a lot of firms aren't willing, I think, to put in that time and energy to really cultivate talent um, because it's expensive. Um, if you're managing a large book of business, you know, time is what you're probably, you know, your most valuable resource. So, it, you know, it, if, if that person doesn't pan out, um, then that's a huge waste of, you know, your own resources. Um, so we, we definitely, um, <clears throat> I think, take the approach that we have a very intensive interview process that goes through a lot of people at the firm to make sure we vet and find the right people. Um, and then we ask them or, you know, we basically have a 30, 60, 90 day process where we're meeting with them and reviewing, you know, everything that they're doing and helping them uh, along the way. But at the same time, it's very apparent from very early on who actually wants to make it um, and who says they want to make it, but are not willing to put in the work to get there. You were talking about how, you know, it's, it's expensive for firms to be hiring people. I think that's absolutely a very true statement because turnover, especially in this, a relationship business, it, it is expensive. Um, but tell me more of, you know, for the new planner who is coming in and working at a firm, what can they really do to help make sure that that's a good investment? Yeah, and I think this is really important for uh, the younger generation um, because I think a lot of firms can look at hiring a planner as a cost center, um, especially if they've never brought in business before or don't know how to do it. Whereas, you know, we take the opposite approach that, you know, a planner can offload 
um, a lot of work that an advisor, uh, an older advisor was doing, and that can free up their time to go do business development. So in the end of the day, that's a, a great formula for success. Um, and so I think that um, for you know, a young planner coming into a firm, uh, I would just be all hands on deck in terms of you know, not only doing my you know, job responsibility, but also you know, asking team members, you know, how can I help in other ways? Um, and I think if you do that, then you really show that, you know, you're not just here to you know, do your job, but you're also here to help support um, and, and grow the business. With bringing in business, I know this has always been a big conversation, especially with, with new planners or younger planners, especially, is how do you, are those clients clients of the firm? How do you compensate um, advisors for bringing clients into the firm? So we, we do work on, um, I guess, a kind of salary bonus structure where a lot of that bonus is tied to uh, growth of the business. But like I said earlier, we do, um, we employ a team-based approach. So we partner uh, younger uh, professionals with older advisors. And so, you know, they don't necessarily need to be the ones bringing in business, um, but, you know, their team does to kind of hit their bonus targets. Very cool. So that's just kind of built into kind of that bonus structure. It's the expectation of being at your firm. Yeah. And, and we help them um, really develop centers of influence um, because especially for uh, a younger advisor to you know be building their own practice, they need to develop those centers of influence who are going to refer business to them eventually. And, you know, that those relationships take, you know, sometimes years to nurture. Um, so we get them out the door very early on and put them in front of people who, you know, oftentimes like they're not potentially qualified or experienced enough to meet. Um, but we say, you know, this is our partner. Um, you know, she's new to the firm and um, we really, you know, put those introductions out early. So that way, you know, those relationships have time to, to develop um, and, you know, you can get a, a, a return over the next few years. So one of the things that's fascinating to me about your story is how you started out as an analyst and you moved to you know, a handful of different roles um, pretty quickly. And then now you're the president. And I'm just fascinated by those transitions of, you know, moving from the analyst to your next role um, and just the different skill sets that are needed for the different roles that you are in. And so I'm really curious, you know, what helped you navigate those transitions or what were the keys to navigating those transitions um, in, in your career? Uh, taking, definitely taking steps outside your comfort zone. Uh, so when I would make a transition, um, <laughs> oftentimes, you know, being an introvert, I would um, be hesitant at first to make res- recommendations or to, um, to, you know, take a leadership role in a meeting that I should have been running. And uh, so it definitely takes, um, you know, getting out of that comfort zone and taking, taking risks and, you know, exposing yourself. Um, And I think that experience is the, uh, the, you know, the ultimate way that you learn and develop. Um, And so the partners of the firm did a fantastic job, I think, of putting me in situations where I shouldn't have been in uh, in terms of, you know, meeting with 
potential recruits and, you know, helping put uh, deal structures and, you know, mergers and acquisitions together uh, that I was, you know, way over my head. Um, but, you know, I learned um, on the fly. And now looking back, I was like, wow, I can't believe I did that. Um, but it definitely, you know, uh, accelerated my growth trajectory um, well above if I had just been kind of the person sitting back and watching this all go on. So you were helping structure some of these merger and acquisitions, and that's a space that we don't really talk about a lot on this podcast. Uh, so tell tell me for the listeners who are hearing this and are just like, okay, what what is that? What is when you say merger and acquisition? Like, what were you doing in that? Like, what what was what was happening at the company at large, and then what what was your role in that? You know, I think from the years that I started from 2014 to 2017, we really invested back into the business and built what we felt was, you know, world-class platform um, in terms of technology, operations, client service. And so once we had that built, we started reaching out to other firms um, in our area and said, you know, would you be interested in in partnering together? Um, And what that often, you know, entails is us acquiring a smaller firm. So we've done uh, three acquisitions to date. Um, And what that means is, you know, we've basically gone and, you know, purchased their businesses um, and then, you know, brought them into our organizational structure and created uh, incentives um, around growth and collaboration. So basically, somebody else is running their own RAA or they're at a broker dealer or something like that, and they come and partner with you. Correct. So yeah, it involves a lot of spreadsheets, um, a lot of talking to to lawyers and um, tax accountants um, on you know how to you know structure these deals and you know, uh, how to um, kind of make sure that once the business is acquired, that you are able to. Uh, you know, transition their technology systems into your technology systems and to transition, you know, the way that they do client service to the way that you do client service. Um, so it, it, it's a lot of different moving pieces. It's kind of like building a puzzle. And so you were right in the middle of all of those conversations for, for some of these um, mergers and acquisitions <laughs> that you guys did. Yep. I was um, way above my head, but often leading and, you know, executing on these. So it was definitely something that when I did our first deal, I you know thought to myself when I was driving home that night, we had just signed the documents, like, I am in way over my head, um, but then <laughs> <laughs> it turned out okay. And so then, you know, on the next one, I, you know, had made a ton of mistakes on the first one and cut down on mistakes on the second one and then cut the mistakes down even further on the third. And you know, started to get in the groove of how these work and how to do them. And so that was definitely something, um, you know, as my partner said, you can't just learn in business school. That's something you have to uh, experience firsthand. What are some of the mistakes that people make with mergers and acquisitions? I think a lot of the mistakes um, reside in communication. Mm. I think what we learned is you have to be having constant um, especially in the beginning, daily meetings on, you know, what's, you know, progress on different items because you're moving, uh, you know, th- there's so many different paths you need to move, move forward on, you know, the legal structure, the, um, you know, uh, the client transition, the marketing of it, um, the, you know, technology piece. And so there's all these different things moving at different speeds. Uh, and if the communication isn't there, then 
the trust level between you know the acquirer and the seller starts to uh, deteriorate. Um, and so I think um, in hindsight, you know what we didn't do as well in the first one is what we now are doing much better is really have a whole team dedicated to this and to have you know regular meetings and uh, status updates that way everyone knows exactly what's going on. Um, at all times, because you are inherently going to run into issues. Um, it's just the nature of the beast. And so um, it's, it's important that those issues are uh, out in the open and, you know, everyone's aware that they are being addressed um, because otherwise, uh, you know, there, there starts to be confusion. Um, and, you know, that's definitely something that uh, we've definitely cut down on um, over the last few years. And with the mergers and acquisitions, like you have, how does that work from like an ownership standpoint? Do you, I mean, is, I guess there is just inherently more equity created, um, but do like the owners in Miracle Mile see that like their percentage of ownership decrease or how does that work? I guess there's two different types of acquisitions we've done. Uh, the first um, is that the firms that we're bringing in, uh, the advisors, you know, retain equity or, you know, a majority of equity in their business and are still incentivized to grow well into the future. Um, and then the other type of uh, acquisition we've done is uh, for advisors who are looking to, you know, retire or exit the business in the next few years and they don't have a succession candidate in place. And so they come to Miracle Mile because we've got a lot of you know young professionals who want to be in the business for the next 20, 30 years. Um, and so we will, you know, acquire their practice and help transition their clients to the next generation so that their clients um, have a stable uh, advisor um, as they exit the business over the next few years. Very interesting. And so it helps them. So they're not so much interested in equity. They're just more interested in making sure their clients are taken care of and, and transitioning into retirement. Yeah. And, and I think that that's, you know, it's, it's still a major issue in our industry yeah. because as the average client age increases, um, so does the average advisor age. And I think advisors get to a certain point, obviously, where they're like, I have a great practice. And often, you know, they're the sole practitioner or they have one or their advisor on their team and they get worried about, you know, what, where, who are my clients going to get advice from, you know, after I leave the business. Um, and so if they haven't already kind of cultivated that internal strategy themselves, um, then they, you know, often will look to a firm uh, such as ours, which is, you know, younger, growing, um, and they find that, you know, that could be an attractive place uh, for their clients to um, continue to receive, you know, world-class advice um, past their being in the business. I know you said it when you first started working at Miracle Mile, you didn't see yourself as being president. At what point did you realize that they were considering you for this? Or like, tell me what this conversation was like when they were like, hey, Matt, how, how would you like just to run this place? <laughs> well, to be honest, um, I was kind of doing the role before I got the title, as I said earlier. And that's because I, over the years, um, as Miracle Mile was growing and I had you know, tackled so many problems and you know, we had run into so many different issues and it just really became, you know, a part of my life that I really cared about the success and the future of the company. Um, and so, you know, my day to day went beyond just at the time, what was my job description and, you know, anytime a fire drill, um, or a new opportunity came up, you know, I was open to, you know, taking on more work. 
Um, and you know, the partners over time, you know, they started pushing more and more onto my plate of <laughs> management issues that, you know, number one, they didn't have the time to deal with, or they weren't good at dealing with it. Uh, and so, um, you know, I, I would think I was doing the job and I didn't really care too much about titles because, uh, at the time, you know, I was like, what, what does that really do for me? You know, it, being president or not being president um, is, is great, but in the end of the day, you know what matters is really the the health of the firm um, and the direction that's headed. And so, you know, when they came to me and said, you know, here to be president, I was like, that's great. And it, you know, I was very excited and you know um, honored to have been given that title. But to be honest, from that day, from the day before to the day after, my role did not change one bit. <laughs> So you were just fully invested in the success of this firm. Yeah. And, and I think that's a lot of it came down to like, I developed a lot of close relationships um, with a lot of the employees of the firm and, you know, had seen, um, had been through a lot of ups and downs. And so it really became almost like, um, you know, a, a family to me. And, you know, when you are part of a family, um, you want to make sure that, you know, your family is taken care of. And so, you know, one of the, you know, my partners, uh, you know, tells me, you know, uh, or has instilled in me that, you know, eat, leaders eat last. Um, and that's something that I tried to, to live by at Miracle Mile, because um, if our employees um, are not happy, then we don't have a firm. Um, so, you know, that kind of attitude has really led me to, I, I really care deeply about all of our employees and I want to make sure that the firm continues to grow because I want them to have the same opportunities that I did. So what do you see as the future of Miracle Mile? <laughs> well, that's the fun part uh, is that it, we, we really have a lot of potential. Um, and, you know, if you had told me two years ago that we'd be where we are today, I wouldn't really believe you. But we got there through, you know, a lot of hard work, but um, it's going to definitely be much more of a national presence. Um, so we're looking to add different office locations uh, across the country and it's going to, you know, involve, you know, more services for clients than we've ever had before. Uh, so we're talking to a lot of different, you know, um, you know experienced professionals to be able to uh, enhance the service model that um, we are uh, delivering to clients. And so I'm really excited because I think where the firm's going to be, you know, two, three years from now uh, is going to be light years ahead of where we are now. And it's so fun that you're going to be the president of the firm as it's going through these transitions. Yeah. And I think the fun thing too, is that I'm going to get to watch, um, you know, a lot of my fellow employees, you know, take on roles that um, are well above what they're doing right now. And so I don't want to get there, you know, just by myself. I want this to be a fun experience for everyone and something that we look back on and be like, wow, we, we did this together. Because to be honest, I, I, you know, I know as president, you know, in my crazy ascent over the last few years, that kind of catches a lot of eyes. But that really does not tell the full story because um, there's a lot of really remarkable people here at Miracle Mile who really have changed a lot of lives for clients. And, um, you know, I, I want to make sure that it doesn't, you know, go unnoticed. So for somebody listening, I guess I'll just ask directly ask this question. So are you guys hiring? Like, is there a place for them to, to go look? <laughs> we are always hiring. Um, we are always looking for uh, individuals who have the same 
or, you know, similar energy um, and, you know, value system that we do, which is, you know, we want to, you know, service our clients um, and to help them, you know, solve their you know, financial pro- problems and help them meet their financial goals while at the same time, you know, having fun while doing it. Um, you know, this is a definitely culture that you come in to work on Monday with a smile on your face and, you know, ready to tackle the week ahead. So what is your advice for new financial planners as they're entering into financial planning? You know, dedicate yourself to continuing to learn um, and to uh, to gain more experience. I think that it was very important for me to get my uh, CFA. Um, and that wasn't because of the knowledge necessarily that I learned, but it was the thirst for knowledge. Um, I'm someone who does a lot of reading. And so I, you know, make sure that I dedicate, you know, time in my life outside work to continue to um, satiate my thirst for knowledge. And I think that's really important because, you know, your clients are going to have a lot of different diverse issues and uh, someone who's young is not going to have the experience right away to tackle those issues. But if you have the knowledge, at least you have kind of a playbook of how you can tackle it. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for joining us, uh, Matt, and sharing more of your story. It's always exciting and encouraging to hear um, of of new planners who start and then are able to have just really interesting um, and successful career paths. So uh, thank you for being here with us today. Awesome. Well, thank you for having me. It's been a blast. Prudential's new advisory solutions are built from the ground up to help clients with the financial challenges of living longer and market uncertainty. Their advisor-only annuities are unique, flexible, allow for customization, and rely on your continued guidance and expertise. Now Prudential, with over 145 years of expertise in risk management, can help protect the retirement income plans you've created. You manage the wealth, they protect it so it can last. Visit them at PRURIA.com. Annuities are issued by the Prudential Insurance Company of America, Newark, New Jersey, and its affiliates. Love what you hear on this podcast? Join us in the FPA Activate Facebook community, where you'll find a community of other passionate planners like you. Not only that, but there are live How We Do What We Do sessions focused on what real financial planning looks like in practice. Be sure to join us there to lend your voice, become a better planner, and help grow the financial planning profession.